Three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And, 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 and now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. For anyone who doesn't know you, who do you say you are? Um, I like to think of myself as a creative director. Um, quick introductory of me. Um, I'm a military veteran turned creative. Um, always liked the camera uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally started picking it up in 2007, 2008. Um, didn't actually start trying to do things with it till about 2015 and have been uh, working my way forward ever since just navigating the space, make connections, practicing, uh, doing work and different things like that along those lines of uh, camera work, should I say. Right. Like it. I guess what, what got you into um, camera work and photography? Do you do, both photography and videography? Uh, yeah, I do uh, photography and videography. Um, what got me into it is I was doing heavy um, work in uh, manufacturing mm-hmm. at the time. And then uh, from me working manufacturing, I wanted to shift. I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my days in a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started getting into marketing. Um, wanted to start working towards my own marketing firm. Um, the companies I was working with at the time, I was uh, working with Mosaic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty good company. Um, they do a lot of third-party uh, marketing events and different things like that. Uh, got to work with uh, brands like T-Mobile with them. Um, started working with American Express and some different things like that. Mm-hmm. And started to pivot towards wanting to get into my own marketing company. I um, was making some connections at the Railcat Stadiums and different things like that. The Railcat Stadium is a uh, uh, semi-pro baseball team mm-hmm. um, in Northwest Indiana, uh, right outside Chicago. Um, made some connections, got them partnered with uh, Metro PCS at the time, and they end up doing a major deal to where the Railcats team end up being uh, hiring. Timo, uh, Metro PCS, should I say, mm-hmm. um, as their uh, one of their biggest sponsors, and I didn't get any any recognition for uh, making the connection and putting the pieces in motion, um, or giving the play to the T-Mobile team. So, uh, start pivoting uh, towards doing my own marketing thing. Uh, start doing some marketing uh, work with Firehouse Subs. Um, Again, was still doing stuff with uh, Metro PCS at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I was coming across a campaign where I wanted a certain image for the photos and videos. And nobody could quite recreate what I had in my head. Mm-hmm. So me having some photography and video background, I started uh, getting back behind the camera. Um, was doing less in front of the camera and found out I love being behind the camera a lot more than in front of the camera. So there's mm. that. So your first 
venture into photography, videography was actually in front of the camera before you went behind the camera? Um, yeah, so um, backtrack some more years uh, in high school, I did radio and television. Mm. Um, so we were producing and hosting shows mm. more than uh, creating our own. Gotcha. Um, so I had the scope of what they do in radio, had the scope of what they do in television um, from the producer side of it and mm -hmm. being on the show, um, just less of the creating everything all by my own type deal. Gotcha. And you guys were doing like the morning announcements and everything like that for your school or you're doing outside of school? Uh, so it was outside of school. So um, in Northwest Indiana, they have a... Um, thing called the Gary Area Curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, it's where they take high school students and teach them real world skills for trades. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of the selected classes is cosmetology, uh, nursing and CNA, child care development, uh, automotive, uh, computer programming, and radio television. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to do automotive, but I know I didn't want to be a grease monkey. Um, so I ended up pivoting and got into radio and television just because um, I used to always hear you have a radio voice. So yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see what it was like and uh, got into the class. Uh, within my first year there, out of all the students, I was the most called in um, host because of my voice. Mm. Um, so... It was it was pretty cool experience. Got a chance to work with some people I knew that was in the uh, local area that was doing like community work and different things like that. Um, so they got to see that I knew how to do those different things. So it opened up some avenues for me later. Awesome. And I guess we're kind of working backwards, but trying something different. How did you go from having some exposure to TV, video production? and directing to deciding to join the military? Um, had a kid early. Um, so I got my son's mom pregnant my sophomore year going into my junior year. Um, of high school? Correct, rephrase that, rephrase that. I got her pregnant my junior year going into my summer, um, going into my senior year. And I didn't want to chase the idea of chasing a dream of sports. Um, I was a really good uh, athlete. Um, on the board, I would have been a four-star athlete. Um, but I didn't want to chase the idea and risk getting injured and not having a future for my son. Um, so I was in ROTC in high school. Uh, so I knew if I went into the military, I automatically start at an E3 mm -hmm. um, and be able to go from there while I figured out what I want to really get into. Um, because outside of me going to school and studying business, I didn't have a specific focal point at that time. Gotcha. And where where did you grow up at the time? Um, just kind of coming up up to that point. Uh, Northwest Indiana. So okay. uh, came out of Gary. Indiana. Um, family was born at in Mississippi, relocated to Northwest Indiana at an early age. Um, I want to say we moved up there my first grade. No, 
third grade. Hmm. Uh, we were in Schaumburg, Illinois for uh, kindergarten through first and then split for uh, second grade and Schaumburg and Gary, Indiana. So from third grade to graduation, I was in Northwest Indiana. Gotcha. It's pretty neat. And I guess, does that mean you have family both in Mississippi, Indiana, and, and now Dallas? Oh, I have family all across the country. <laughs> um, so a lot of the people migrated from being in Mississippi to uh, branching out to Chicago. Um, that's why me and my folks moved up there. So we had uh, a great uncle that lived out in Chicago, and we moved out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my great uncles lived in Northwest Indiana. Uh, we had uh, people in my sister and a lot of my family lives out in Georgia. Um, I have family that's down here in Texas, uh, out in Lubbock, Houston, Dallas. Um, so, I mean, got people in California, mm-hmm. you name it. We got some people everywhere. Gotcha. Uh, my dad was the youngest of 11 siblings my mom was the oldest of nine wow that's a good family a big family yeah that's awesome and i guess with with that what was it like growing up for you did you have um for yourself multiple siblings or how did things shake out on that end yeah i'm the youngest of five siblings um my closest sibling above me would have been my brother, and he had a six-year uh, gap. Mm. Um, so um, technically, all of my siblings are half-sisters and brothers, but we just family. Uh, we all siblings. We treat each other no different, none of that stuff. Mm. That's what's up. I, I guess I, I used to be number five for a little while until my <laughs> younger brother was born, but I kind of know what it's like being the... Uh, the the youngest one or close gotcha. to the youngest one so then right. what was the um what was the military experience for you like uh military for me um i went into the navy straight out of high school hmm. um i wanted to do something different from the army rltc program that i was in so i uh, just wanted to try a new experience and get a chance to uh navigate that Mm-hmm. Um, was stationed in San Diego, California. Got spoiled with the weather. Um, when it was time for me to get out, I ended up moving back home. Uh, kind of the worst decision, I would say, coming out of the military. You should have stayed in the new area and just adjusted from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was actually good timing, I guess, that I moved back. Um because I ended up uh, losing my father a few months after. Um, And then from there, uh, um, got into college for a bit, and then got back into the Army uh, doing uh, National Guard and Reserves. Got you. Sorry to hear about your dad. Things happen. Uh, I'm a lot older now, so... Uh, it doesn't bother me um, in that sense um, of, I guess, when you hear their name or the subject of them that it deters or distracts. Hmm. And 
so you you were in the navy for how long and then you decided to go into the um the national guard i did four years army and then four years uh four years navy then four years army gotcha how is there would you put one over the other um because i was active duty when i did navy Mm -hmm. i always recommend active duty anything um yeah, having that option to do National Guard reserves and stuff like that, that it's cool. It sounds cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you it interrupts your your normal flow of life. Mm -hmm. Right. So National Guard and Army, you are doing things based on a scheduled mm -hmm. training rather than being in it all the time. So you still have a regular full time job, still got your regular life going on. And then um once a month or during certain training periods your life is getting interrupted mm -hmm. to where you you have these obligations that you got to go fulfill gotcha. um employers don't employers can't uh say they don't like it but a lot of them don't because they have to work around your schedule like it's mm -hmm. mandatory for them to abide by those obligations that you have mm -hmm. um so whether it's you have to work a half a shift rather than a full shift on a, on the night before you do anything because you have to travel or um, in the middle of the summer, you have two weeks where you have to take off um, that they can't use towards your uh, vacation time or missed time from work or anything like that, that you're going to be taken off for training. Hmm. Um, whether it's, medical appointments or different things that might come up that the army wants you to do they have to give you that time off yeah um so a lot of employers don't like it um plus for me um being active you get to experience and do more things uh so say for instance there's certain trainings you want to do and different things like that um in the national guard and reserves you have to wait because they're going to qualify active duty for those spots first then they're going to go active national guard first active reserves and then if you're in a unit that's not on a active campaign or assignment then mm -hmm. you are optional for those type trainings so gotcha. it was training that i wanted to do for the full four years that i was in and never got a chance to do them mm -hmm. just because i was so far back on that waiting list right so it's, I I see your point. So it's like you're constantly on the wait list and you don't get to be fully in it and you still have to maintain a, um, a job to sustain you because it's it's almost like you're you're doing it as volunteer work almost. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. And I guess, so going from Navy to Army, at what point do you end up like, going to the plant or having to do a job you don't really like and then eventually making the transition to do what you're doing now? Um, actually, I didn't I didn't have a problem with the military. Um, like I said, I knew about it and everything from being in high school and being an ROTC. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, I grew up in a traditional Southern style family. Um, so you know, you show your elders respect and different things like that. So all the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sirs, no, sirs, and all that type of formality stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was common for me uh, growing up because that's what you do in the South and you, and in certain family generations in the Midwest. Um, so none of that stuff bothered me. Um, I was used to following rules because, I mean, that's what you do in a family. It, like right. I grew up in a, like I said, traditional Southern family. So you got these rules, you got to follow on different things like that. Um, I already knew um, just because I'm an analytical person, life is a game. Mm. Um, you play by the rules, you win certain prizes. You play, you do stupid things, you're going to win stupid prizes. Um, so it wasn't that that got me out. Um, my youngest son, my oldest son, correction, um, is three mm-hmm. at the time. And he stated he wanted me to come home. So that's what I did. Gotcha. And what what was it like being able to um, make that decision and, and spend that time with your son? Because he's ultimately the reason why you made the sacrifice to go to the military to figure things out or just to kind of have a, a leg up to say, okay, I don't know exactly which direction I go, but at least this is a better option, a better alternative. Um, It was easy. Um, a lot of my early on um, adult decisions were based on um, the outlook for him. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret or complain about any of the decisions I made. It was the best decisions at the time. So mm-hmm. I made those and I adjusted to it. Um, so when it came for him saying uh, he wanted me around more, he's at that age where he can talk and he can speak for himself. So cool. I'm going to go ahead and make this adjustment. Um, it wasn't like I was at a long portion of my contract where I had just reenlisted or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually coming up to the end of my contract and um, that's when he had told me. So it was an easy transition for me. Nice. And I, and I meant, um, what was it? Tr- so when you transitioned back home, like what, what all did you have to do getting kind of like getting back in the flow of civilian life? Um, that um, was, that was the most challenging um, just because um at the time the military didn't have like they were working towards having a structure for it where you did like a warrior transition training right and they pull up they sit you down you're watching a powerpoint and they're saying hey you should apply for jobs about this time out if you are looking to go to interviews we can give you that time off to go to these interviews mm-hmm. um as long as it's a local interview type deal well, I was stationed at San Diego, California, and I was moving back to Northwest Indiana. Mm. Um, so for me, all of my interviews, like I was getting out the service on this day. Um, my dad was flying. I flew my dad out to help me drive back because when I drove back, like I had a two hour window from the time I was supposed to arrive to mm. get to my first interview. So yeah. like, it, it wasn't the greatest and smoothest opportunity. Um, now I'm, things are a lot more easy uh, when it comes to looking at things in that type of scope, just because more employers now are into doing Zoom calls for interviews and different things like that. Um, but finding work when I got home and adjusting from it, um, it's, it was a transition because I was active duty. 
Um, so anything you do on active duty, civilians can't reach out to your employer and ask them questions. They don't have any contact information for them um, because for one, you're not there. You don't have your superior cell phone numbers at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this was before, you know what I'm saying? The big boom where everybody was like, nah, take my cell phone. Don't take my office number. Like everybody yeah. at that was still giving you their office numbers. So you could have my people's office number, but if they're out to sea, you ain't going to never reach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, if you call the base, I mean, I'm just one installation on the base. They're going to be like, bro, it's like 50 million people on here. <laughs> like, we ain't trying to hear nothing you got to say. Right. Uh, and you know, having a common name, it, it's uh, it's not going to be, you're not going to be the easiest to find. Oh, big time. There, there are 2,700 Michael Halls in the U.S. Hmm. alone. Literally have worked with three of them. How do you guys distinguish each other? Um, I was the only black one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, it works well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's funny. Oh man, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Sorry. No worries. But, so, um, around around what what year was this? Like when you were um going from the Navy, like going into the Navy, coming out of the Navy, and then eventually going into the Army? Um, So I was getting out of the Navy in 2007, 2008. Mm. Um, During that time period, um, within that first three months, I was already planning on going to school. Mm. Um, So my idea uh, was when I get home, find a job. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study business um, because at the time my dad wanted to open a clothing brand and I wanted to make sure no one could uh, take advantage of him when it came to anything business. I already wanted to study business anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the different things I already knew, but I wanted to get into international side of business studying. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean uh, just being able to do international talks, international contracting, and different things like that. Gotcha, uh, going gotcha. on, going to school to study the actual international section of business because, I mean, I I was proactive. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. So I would take time during my free time to study law a little bit and figure out different things and seeing what the best schools were. Uh, so when I was in elementary, I wanted to go to Georgetown. I studied and saw, oh, Georgetown, it's going to cost me X amount of dollars to go to school. Okay, mm-hmm. what's a local college yeah. or university I can go to? Oh, Notre Dame has a really good law program. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, it's seven years uh, for most people before they can open their own practice and be profitable. That mm-hmm. ain't what I want to do. Uh, so I switched it to business and I was like, all right, I can do stock markets, um, study stock market trends, knowing what, um, the different things, uh, that entail knowing about calls, puts, I knew all that stuff younger. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't as attractive to me, um, compared to what it is now. 
when you look at stock markets, uh, the yeah. stock market. Uh, so like a lot of the stuff that people are like blowing up and taking advantage of now, mm-hmm. that stuff didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. So it wasn't as easy for someone to go open a brokerage account mm-hmm. and then just put their own money into those brokerage accounts and just make it grow like that. Right. Um, at that time you had to have a broker and different things like that. So, um, I mean, shout out to the world for evolving and changing. Um, so uh, I knew he wanted to do a clothing line. So I wanted to make sure I understood international um, business so I can know about customs and if we needed to export or import something, how to make sure everything was going to be um, done properly so I can help him elevate that portion of things. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. And I guess, like you said, your time was kind of cut short, but how how was the, the pursuit of going through business school or or trying to um, like see how things were internationally and in that whole process? Um, it actually got cut short uh, a lot differently. Um, the week I enrolled... Um, was the week my dad was murdered. Um, so uh, my dad had got remarried um, from them getting remarried. Um, it was like a week later. They hadn't went on their honeymoon yet. They were planning to go on it. Um, so I was like, when he gets back, I'll let him know that I enrolled. And then I was at home someone called my great uncle uh well correction it was the authorities they called my great uncle Mm -hmm. um because he was one of the last few contacts my dad had reached out to um and told him my dad had passed away so my great uncle was trying to reach me but i was at my mom's house uh visiting her Mm -hmm. um so he reached out to the family that was in mississippi my sister called me I'm like, there's no way he's dead. He, I just saw him like literally Friday, and uh, they probably gone on a honeymoon a few days early, whatever the case may be. Called and left my dad a voicemail. Um, about an hour, hour and a half went by. I didn't hear back from him, and I'm like, my dad normally calls me back immediately, type deal. Um, and I didn't have his new wife's um, contact information or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, call my mom, let her know what was going on, um, headed out to the house. Um, this is back old enough when you still used to get the, uh, cell phone bill in the mail Mm. and it would have all your call logs on it. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, shout out to me, wanting to be a lawyer early. So I knew about, uh, doing uh, private investigation work and different things like that. Hmm. Looked over the call logs, um, found all the numbers that uh, matched up on a frequent basis, hmm. called the number, reached the ex-wife. Uh, she called and confirmed it with me. Um, my mom was coming up time to come, come off work, so I had to take the vehicle back to her. Um, reached out to my pastor at the time and him and some other guys at the church drove me out 
mm-hmm. uh, to Chicago area, uh, to Dalton, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, to go to the actual uh, coroner's office. Uh, by the time I got there, one of my cousins uh, had already uh, identified the body. Uh, but yeah, it was literally three months from the time I got home mm-hmm. uh, from the military. So wow. happened fairly quickly. Um, had a short, well, not a short, but I spiraled after that. Um, at the time, I was like, oh, I told my dad I was going to go to school for business, so I'm going to mm-hmm. keep it going. And I mean, it wasn't a time for me. I couldn't focus and study like I needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I purposely was like going to school just so I wouldn't be at home by myself. Um, but I wasn't doing anything productive at the time to help myself in a sense. Gotcha. And how old are you at this time? Um, literally was 20, 20. Yeah. That's a lot. I was 20. It was right before my twenty uh, first birthday. So from eighteen or wait, yeah, I graduated early. Gotcha. Okay, because I'm sitting here at like, so you <laughs> you're basically like a savant. Graduate sixteen, seventeen, go into the military, do your years, mm-hmm. get out, get ready to do this other thing. It's like you're still prime age, but life yeah. just kind of hits you and in the my- face. Yeah, in my sense, um, like the military doesn't teach you how to be an adult, right? It doesn't teach you how to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, in the military, you get up, you know your routine that you're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, so me, when I was getting out, I was like, this is my time to transition and learn all the other things that I feel I need to know as a man or as an adult or as a father. Yeah. Um, so as I was entering that stage, uh, it was cut short for me. And I had to fall for it after that going forward. Gotcha. And what's so interesting about what you what the point you just made about not being shown how to be a man. And when you say you basically have to just you learn how to follow a routine. And a part of me was almost thinking it's like or I think I've been taught that part of being a man is like having a routine, but I I think that's just part of being human, like being able to have something you can look to. But I think you make a better point about um, being a man isn't just what you do. It's not just the providing, protecting and looking over things. But I, I think to your point, a lot of like the intangibles get missed. Yeah. Um, a few of the things that I, I don't mind speaking out about, um, mm-hmm. like the emotional guidance of being a black man in America. Like mm-hmm. my parents, again, I used to live in Schaumburg, Illinois. If anybody knows about Schaumburg, Illinois, that's the rich part of Illinois, out where all the athletes and everything else uh, live. So, me growing up, we were the only black family there. Mm. Um, to me, I wasn't experienced in racism, but I got picked on. Mm-hmm. And to me, everybody gets picked on, right? 
um, a younger kid. These kids were in middle school. Mm-hmm. But in my eyesight, they weren't bullying me because I was black. They were bullying me just because I was a younger kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everything we kept in our perspectives and everything was um, there's just bad people in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember opportunities in that same community where um, I was riding my bike, didn't tie my shoe, and my like, shoestring got like severely caught up in my bike pedal and everybody was driving by. I couldn't get up because my shoe was caught so deep into it uh, that a dude on a bike, uh, um, a Harley Davidson motorcycle Mm -hmm. tattooed up uh, motorcycle club leathers, everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to like come to kidnap me or whatever. But (laughs) he came, he came over, helped me get loose and when he helped me get loose, I did just like a, a animal in the wild would do. Like they're gonna take off running, right? Mm-hmm. Because they they don't they don't know what to do. Yeah. But later that same weekend, me and the family we used to always go to a house of pancakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this was before they started calling it the IHOP, but it was literally the house <laughs> of pancakes. Um, and the waitress was there. Um, and she, and she came to the table and she said, I know you. Mm-hmm. And everybody looked at me and I'm like, I don't know her. <laughs> and she was like, don't worry. Um, I know somebody you will remember. And she called her husband mm-hmm. and he came up there and he had on his leathers and everything. Cause his guys go out riding every week, uh, every mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. And he came up and I saw him at the table and I'm like, Oh, you're the one that helped me when I was stuck on my bike. He was like, yeah, I was trying to check on you, but you took off so fast. And I was like, I ain't know what she was going to do in the movie. Biker, you know what I'm saying? They're not good people. <laughs> so, I mean, those are different things that I had to navigate as a kid. But then my dad was able to, oh, yeah, certain people, just because they look a certain way, doesn't mean they're bad people, this, that, and the other. Right. Um, like, I got that taught at an early age, but when it came to being a father that was active in there, mm. I hadn't, outside of him setting the example, I didn't have much to go off of. Like, I didn't mm. have those life hacks of, all right, you're going to end up running into this. This is how we can do this. This yeah. is how we can do that. Um, these are different opportunities uh, with something that can come up with your car and we can navigate and get that fixed by doing this, this, and this, like all that stuff I was, that I would have learned in that time frame. I was in the military. Mm. So that makes sense. And I think to your point, it's, you can't really, that, that phrase goes true. You can't judge a book by its cover. And it's, it's interesting that, um, maybe sometimes we're programmed to see things a certain way, but it's good to know that different people that, just like they're good people out there irregardless of what they look like and to your point like just going through that process what what was it like 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 you you mentioned spiraling out of control and just having to come to the grips of like okay you're you're just starting adulthood like you have a a son that's now three and you're trying to raise him when you just lost your own dad and you're trying to figure out like okay how am how do you be a dad? How do I 
um like like how how do how do i become a man like what is this what does this all mean at that time like how how did you deal with that process and how long did it take you to work through some things or what was your process of uh, trying to work it out it took me a while to, to start figuring it out um i mean being there making sure he was straight making sure he had the things he, <clears throat> that he needed mm -hmm. it was all common sense and stuff like that um me and his mom didn't have the greatest relationship just because of how things happened between us mm -hmm. um but me making sure he was cool making sure he was well-rounded understanding um and that he was going to be one of the smarter kids of his generation mm -hmm. um so me and him would go read books uh as a kid he ended up enjoying reading uh, early um, and that's just because I used to introduce him into books early um, got him into computers and gaming and all those different things that's because for one I enjoyed those mm -hmm. um, but I knew computers were going to be the way for the future um, so teaching him you know the minor things that I knew along the lines of it um, as far as when he wasn't around though, mm. I was I was a totally different person. Like it wasn't no examples I was trying to set. I was just in those years of I'm in the moment type deal mm. to where I'm doing things just because it's in the moment. Like I don't care no results, I don't care no consequences. What it is is what it is. Gotcha. So it took me a while to get out of that. Um, I probably would say what ended up getting me out of it was I had a I had a girlfriend at the time. We broke up and things went south in our breakup. Um wasn't necessarily her fault, it was definitely my fault. Um, but that it was like a wake up call to like, bro, you are being very immature right now. Like grow up, grow up. And I woke up. Just like that. Yeah. Good. Well, I guess um kind of to that point, throughout your process, were you able to find a tribe for yourself? Because I, I've heard it said that for men, especially young men, it's there's a notion where it's the, I don't know, even like, maybe you could take me back going back in high school. Like what, what sport did you play? Because you mentioned you were like a four-star athlete. Um, I could play any sport. Uh, so in high school, I played basketball, I played football, I played baseball. I wrestled. I was captain of the chess club. Um, I was on a tennis team. Um, like when I played tennis, like, I was new to it, but the only person that beat me was through that one state. Mm. Um, like it, it for me, it didn't matter what sport it was. I can excel in it because I was very athletic. Um, for people that I'm like right now, when people look at me, they be like, "How much you weigh?" I'm like 300 pounds. They're like, "There's no way you weigh 300 pounds." Mm. Um, I was the dude that 
I look slim and slender, but I'm a lot bigger um, or stronger than what I looked. Um, so um, Even I've, back in high school, I graduated high school weighing 191, 8% body fat. Um, when I look at kids now and I'm seeing seniors weighing 160, 170, mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, I was way bigger than these kids. Um, and I, I, I remember looking at, uh, at some of my old photos and I was like, yeah, I was way bigger than these kids. Cause I used, I was coaching high school at one point and, um, one of the bigger kids that was actually strong and different things like that. I'm like, yeah, let me, let me check to see if I'm like making this stuff up in my head. Mm -hmm. And I asked him how much he weighed. He was playing middle linebacker. He was like, oh, I weigh 165. And uh, he was like, that's wow. like a, a wide out slot. Like you, you depending yeah. on where you're playing, especially in the South, it's like, you can't be, you can't be 160 something being a linebacker. So again, uh, shout out to me knowing how to do information and research. Your average running back back when I graduated high school was 205 to 225. Wow. And I graduated 191. I'm like, oh, I can do, I can work out in the summer and get to 225 easily. Hmm. But I didn't know that most of those athletes still came in around that 165, 175 range. Uh -huh. Um, I didn't find out, um, how close to a five-star prospect I was until after I had went to, uh, the service. Uh, I had one of my buddies, uh, who ended up going to Purdue university, um, in West Lafayette mm -hmm. and we was chopping it up. He was like, yeah, only reason I was a five-star recruit and you was a four was cause my family, my dad was pushing my film out there. Mm. And when I say us in comparison, he graduated at 205. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated at 191. But our body fat percentage, not even close. Like I said, I graduated at 8% body fat. He still was around 20, 21% body fat. Like, I was, very, I was very lean um, when it came to what I ate and that was shout outs to my dad. Uh, he knew I wanted to play sports. Um, so he would cook at the crib all the time. He'll make sure he cooked the right foods. Uh, he was meal prepping for me before meal prep was a thing because he drove buses at the time. Hmm. Uh, so it'll be a spurt where he out the house for three or four days. He made sure he had cooked food for the first two days hmm. and then he wouldn't leave me money so I can go uh, splurge or anything like that on fast food. It makes sure the fridge was stocked with nothing but fruits, veggies, uh, proper foods that I would cook that I can cook on my own to where I'm not going out and getting burgers and fries on these days or uh, anything that I shouldn't be eating as an athlete trying to perform at my peak performance. All right, gotcha. Wow, so, that, that that's very significant. It's like dad's make a great impact because mm -hmm. it, it's like to have them in your life for that amount of time. And just to, to know what that felt like is, is significant. And 
what I was curious about, the reason I asked you about high school, it's like through all of life happening, going through high school, going into um, the Navy, transferring, coming back home. Like, were you able to keep a core group of friends during then or like a tribe or a wolf pack type thing? Um, so throughout high school, I had four uh, four buddies that I used to, well, three buddies that I used to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um the day I was leaving for basic, I ended up cutting one of those buddies off um, because he got into some stuff that could have got me in trouble right before I left. Mm. And I'm like, bro, you put me at risk right now. Like, nah, we can't, we can't roll no more. Right. Right. Uh, like they end up getting arrested type deal. Mm. Yeah, I can't uh-huh. have that. So <laughs> I cut him off, me and him. I mean, he still, you know, checks in from time to time, see how, see how I'm doing and stuff like that. But mentally, I'm like, I, you, you not, you just, you're not there. I, I can't see myself going backwards and uh, letting somebody that doesn't make those right decisions like that, like in like that. Um, one of the other buddies happened to be his cousin, uh, so by default. Uh, he got put on the chopping block too. Um, I mean, nothing to say that he wasn't going to make the proper adjustments, but he also right. was the wild one out the bunch, right? Um, kind of guilty by association. Uh, guilty by association, as well as he was supposed to be the oldest one in the group, <laughs> but wasn't making. <laughs> I was the mature one out the group. I'll put it that way. Gotcha. Uh, um, and then the wildest firecracker. Uh, me and him still really good friends to this day. Uh, he was the wildest one out of the bunch, but um, me and him knew each other for so long that, like, I'm his calming point. He's my calming point. Like, um, my dad passed. Like, I remember one day uh, the grief and everything finally got to me, and I had a breakdown. Like, mom couldn't calm me down. Nobody could figure out anything. And she happened to be passing them on the highway. Like they were about to take them to the hospital because I was like hyperventilating everything. And they were passing them on the highway. Um, And she flagged them down. They stopped. And within like uh, five minutes, he was like, uh, his mom was like, he can come with us. I'll take him to the hospital. I live not that far from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he can come with us. That five minutes of being around him, I was chill, calm down and everything. Um, a few years later, he had a similar episode. Uh, his grandfather had passed away, um, and he literally had the same situation. I pulled up within five minutes, back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me and him have been tight ever since probably what? Fifth, sixth grade. Wow. Um, but as I grew, uh, distance is a thing, but mostly now my tribe is just more creatives and people that are trying to get to that next level. That's what's up. And I, I think that kind of points to how we met and being in a um being introduced to ET the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas, Dr. Eric Thomas, and 
getting in an environment where it's like, okay, other people do look for different things. We may look different. We may come from different cities, countries, um, continents, but just having that mindset of wanting something different, especially if you know, it's like, I don't know exactly what I want, but I I have an inkling and being able to talk to someone else like that is a wonderful thing. Oh yeah. Big time. Definitely. It's awesome. Um, attest to that um i actually we met what be you mm-hmm. on the social media call um i would probably say out of everybody on the call me and you we were, you were like one of the first people that i connected with where i was like okay i could socialize with him uh outside of uh the social media calls and different things like that Just because we had, like, we both were introverts, Mm -hmm. um, but our our skill our animal assessment at the time, Mm -hmm. um, were almost identical. Yeah, Um, if I remember correctly, um, you're a turtle chameleon, and your turtle is a ninety something, and your chameleon was like eighty something. Mm -hmm. I think I was like ninety nine, ninety nine, or yeah. You're you're probably right. And then mine was same numbers, just off by like four or five points. Mm. So um, my natural um, state is turtle, but my uh, changed is chameleon. Mm. Um, So when adaptation happens, I bounce up to my chameleon to match my turtle. Mm, uh, and if I remember, yeah yours was the same way so. yeah and i i think um just the the thing about that it's like using the disc assessment you look at the d the i the s and the c where it's like d is the gorilla the i is the flamingo the s is the chameleon the c is the turtle it's like i really appreciated what chris daniels did with it because he's the one that <laughs> really introduced me to it where it's I think my first year out of college doing, um, I think they had us do something like that for work in our our week of orientation, but it's like you're drinking from a fire hose and it's just like, (laughs) here's information, here's information, here's information. And the way he broke it down using animals and characteristics that we could identify with people were like, yay. And it was nice to meet other turtles or other chameleons because it's like the gorillas and the flamingos, they kind of got the... They, they seem to get the shine because like ETs is, is a flamingo and like they're the extroverts and people don't really pay attention to the introverts and people are kind of weirded out like, how are you doing a podcast and you don't really talk like that? And it's like, I might not talk to you per se, but if I get around <laughs> someone else that I can identify oh, yeah. with and they'll let me get a word in, then I can talk. And it's yeah. like, sometimes I might have trouble shutting up because it's like, I've got so much to say because I felt like I haven't talked for a while. But then once I run out of words, I like kind of get tuckered out and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Let me catch my breath. And it's like, we're just steady moving, but mm-hmm. we're still moving. It's like, it might be slow. It might be that. But to your point, like your voice being like the radio voice, that calm, that peace, I think it it resonates to see the value in it and seeing that value of yourself through someone else is 
welcoming because it's we kind of grow up different but for whatever reason it's that my experience has been that more people that are extroverted are valued for their extroversion and I've seen it more now as an adult that introverts are valued with social media, with things like that, where people are like, oh, okay, you can be behind the camera. You can write things in text. You can explain something or you can color code something. And people are like, oh, that makes sense. It just jumps out at me. And they're like, oh, okay, you're cool. Like we can pat you on the head or like <laughs> allow you to sit at the table. Yeah. Um, the way I used to look at it was, um, my friends used to always talk about uh, in high school, you know, different people in different jobs. And it was like, I don't quite know where Mike would be. I was like, I'm going to be the one that create up all the policies. Like, mm. yeah, I'm going to mess up somewhere and I got to fix it. So that's just going to be me. <laughs> and in its sense, that's what turtles and chameleons traditionally do. Uh, they're the ones that's going to be uh, working in systems and solutions, mm. um, creating those uh normal routines that everybody else can follow yeah. to make everything uh, a cohesive thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of, of course we got to give the, we got to give the others a little bit of a hard time because they, they can take it. They can take it. Sometimes it seems like they're not, they're not sensitive, but I think like flamingos are sensitive because they care about people. They're like life of the party. When they speak up, it's like, man, I'm glad you're here because it's natural for you to just like carry the energy and just, like live it up and then I can like kind of live vicariously through through them and like someone that it was challenging at first dealing with the the uh the dominant or the the gorilla where it's like are they just cussing at me or are they mad or like am I always messing up but it's like no they're they're direct they're trying to get you to say okay before you you go a big loop around just walk this way in a straight line so that you don't you might move slow but even with your slowness, you can get to where you're going effectively. Mm -hmm. And then that way you don't have to be upset with yourself and frustrated, but like having this nice little blended family and world that we live in, it's, it's good to actually understand other people's perspectives and see the value in them. But that's, what's up. Thanks. So. so with, with, um, with social media and being a directive now, like having this thing spark once again, like the, the thing that was like a dream from high school. And now it's, it's a reality now where you can produce for yourself. You, you can get the credit and um, actually employ someone or be able to work with other people collaboratively. What, what's it been like for you? Because I think we met 2017 and it's yeah, 2017, 2018 is when we met. Um, being in a space where I can now create how I want. Um, as I told you before, uh, the one thing that I feel is still holding me back is my nine to five and it not being something I can do that's creative. Um, I have a certain set of systems and different things like that that I have to uh, work around. Um, but outside of that, I have a, a solid team of creatives mm -hmm. um, that I have in my circle where if they're doing things, I will pull up. If they, if I'm doing things, they're pulling up. Yeah. Um, and we just naturally work well together. Um, one of my guys, I'm the one that got him into photography type deal. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been my biggest supporter since I got back to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, like he literally since we've been on the uh, chat, he's checking on me uh, now because of the shoot we did Tuesday, mm-hmm. and he's wait like he's wait, he's checking on me to make sure I'm good, mm-hmm. but he's also waiting for me to actually post and show what I've been working on. That's um, what's up. He he's one to always rem- like. I don't like to. I'm not a like. I'm not someone that boasts on about what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of the um, I can show you type person. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to show it because like I'm just me. Like I'm super humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but he chats me up to everybody and I'm like I'm glad you see it. I, I I don't necessarily see it that way but yeah I mean I ain't gonna shy down from a challenge like yeah I can compete with anybody when it comes to creating um it's just what tools I might not have that they have mm-hmm. or they might have been doing something longer I'm gonna catch them on the flip side though because my mind is a lot different from everybody else's and I'm going to come with four or five different other strategies that nobody else thought of. Mm. I like that. And I know you, you helped me in the past and, and to your point, it's like, sometimes it's a struggle to put yourself out there or to share what you do and not, not feel a type of way about it. But even in asking for help, it's a challenge of like, okay, if you know that you're a support type person or someone that's strategy based, and you're always willing to do, but maybe you don't get back. My thing was like, I don't want to, I don't want to overload someone that's like me if I can't support them effectively in a way to where I'm like, okay, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? It's like, can you compensate? Can you value their time? Can I value your time? And when I saw something like that, I was like, um, I think you'd help me with a flyer for an episode. And I was like, man, this looks dope, but let me be upfront like this is where i'm currently at and let me not like lead on or make false promises because i i felt in the past i've either allowed myself to be led on or i i just misread a situation because i didn't ask specific questions and with that i was like okay this is why i want to highlight everyday people i want to highlight people that feel like okay like yeah, I did a thing here or there, but it's not interesting. Get get that. Get the get the get the um the get the flamingo. Get get the person that's like, hey, I'm over here selling you this episode. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get them. Like everybody gets a turn, but it's like, um, it's it's an honor to be able to highlight you and to actually learn more about your life having a sit down like this because it's like there's so much to people that we don't know and you only get glimpses with social media. So I, I appreciate you for doing this. Oh, most of, um, there's been a time coming, um, for the longest, I was like, I don't even know why he's trying to interview me. I I'm not nothing special. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's just me. I like to help. Uh, like you said, you, you were doing a flower and I was like, yo, I can, I can help do a flower. Like, tell me what you want. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm still the same person. Yes, sir. Um, I mean, anybody, I, I'm just here to help. 
Yeah. I tell people that all the time. I'm here to help. That's my biggest goal. Um, I give ideas. I give personality. I I can teach people how to be on camera, but I can't be on camera. I just don't yeah. like it. Mm. Um, my social battery, as I've gotten older, has gotten shorter. Mm. And I mean, I do what I can. Uh, I, I make time to be social when I have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's it's that certain part on the inside where I'm like, oh, that filter is done. It's burnt out. Uh, and I mean, I told you yesterday we had I had a struggling day at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so today I'm like uh, charcoal fueling my uh, personality a little bit. Uh, got my energy drink in hand, trying to uh, keep myself upbeat. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just I'm you a normal get, person. It's funny. I, like to, yeah. <laughs> I found this and. In- Maybe it's not going to come into focus, but it's like another energy drink thing. I found it in moving my stuff. It's like (laughs) I moved where I moved like seven months ago and I didn't fully unpack because I was like, maybe I'll end up moving again. But then I went ahead and renewed and I was like, let me see what's in these boxes and things like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that'll be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what we got on the horizon for you, though? We've been talking about oh. me. That <laughs> well, was, see, no one ever gets to flip it on you. So I want to take the moment to flip it on you and highlight you because you've been doing this podcast thing uh, for quite some time now. Uh, you had it. You had it in the production phase where you were starting it when we first met. So that means you've been doing this for what, at least four or five years now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, an, it was an idea at first, and I think something that sparked it. I didn't even know it, it was brewing, but I remember we were doing a, a Wednesday night session, and Nikki was asking for feedback, and I decided to chime in. She's like, hold up now. This isn't a podcast. And I was like, okay, this isn't a podcast, but I I have an ability to podcast because I've been listening to podcasts. And then just being able to kick it off 2019, which felt like, the world was turning upside down for me and to grab a hold of something, being scared to get on camera, being scared to listen back to my voice and cringing at what I was hearing and seeing and just being like, okay, well, you're not trying to be perfect. You're not going to edit this because this isn't your strength. And you're not trying to make this another job for yourself. It's make it to be something creative and enjoyable to balance out your work life or just balance out your life in general and yeah four years i think going into year five come october so i think this episode will probably be marking year five. Oh wow look at that five years creating yeah. and your own thing well definitely congrats to you my brother um, you are definitely crushing it. Um, you, I want to say you're probably the most consistent um, of anybody that has been on the social media call. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you have been doing the doing something consistently the longest and not holding any excuses or anything like that. Like, granted, there's some flamingos out there that. Mm-hmm. They're going to get the shine over you, but I know for a fact you've been doing this consistently um, since we met. And 
you definitely deserve your flowers. Appreciate You're going to be on somebody's tag talk in the future. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But um, to kind of, maybe it's a hard pivot, but to, if you want to swing it back to me, we can, but just to take it back to yourself, like what, what's something you're looking forward to as, as we're halfway through the year, it's like the back half seems like the year's wrapping up as quickly as it started. Um, For me, this back half, um, I ju I'm just going to start getting more and more into my creative bag. Um, give me one second. What's up? <laughs> Okay. Uh, the battery pack should be. Yeah, I'm just keeping it consistent. <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. But back uh, half of the so, year. So this back half of the year, uh, I'm just looking to get more into my creative bag, hmm. um, creating more, uh, trying to work with those who, um, I believe in their vision, right? Hmm. Um, so with me doing photography, video. Um, producing and different things of that nature. Um, I'm not your traditional person that people will hire, right? Um, I have to, for one, believe in your vision and what you're out there putting into the world uh, because I don't see the gigs I do as just a job assignment or a way I make money. Like, I want to partner it in a, in a sense because I want to elevate you as the person behind everything um so like the shoot that i did tuesday with the was with a video uh streamer video game streamer mm -hmm. um he's been hosting his own tournament and been doing it for like two years um i first got introduced to him probably five six months ago um and it was through uh popping into one of his uh tournaments and just watching what he was doing um what impressed me is the fact that he hope he does these consistently he does them well um mm -hmm. enough to where he can demand more credit in that space um but he's a humble person that's just like just beginning like helping him get to that next level is my vision right right um I want to help him grow sponsors. I want him to be able to do live tournaments of what he's doing. Um, I want him to be able to compete with um, these companies that have six and seven figures to throw at um, these same ideas that he's doing. Um, what he does is he brings out the same tournaments on a more frequent basis. Mm -hmm. um, and he's bringing out better competition and viewing experience for the people that are watching. Um, so that's why I'm trying to highlight him and help elevate him. That's what's up. So that's all I'm doing. Give me one second. Yeah. <clears throat> um. As you can tell, I talk that often. <laughs> gotcha. Talking way much more than I normally do. Uh, no, but, it's just highlighting the people I'm working with. Um, me and Matt, we're going to start working um, together more on some things, uh, partnering with people that are trying to get to that next level as well. Mm -hmm. um, same as our uh, group and different things like that. So it's just, 
expanding and growing things a, a little bit beyond what I've been doing um, just so I can uh, create those opportunities of further uh, exploration in my own creativity. That's dope. I, I like that. It it feels good to know people that know each other and just mm-hmm. seeing everyone cross over and have the, the benefit of community because it, it's it's good that we each get to stand out but when we come together it's nice to see that like you have something that looks like a megatron or like a super team and i think that's amazing but i'll get you out here with this how can people find out where you are and potentially get to work with you um easiest way to find me is on instagram um you can get at me on there at uh mike underscore creates uh, it's gonna be a black guy with a beard he's gonna pop up on your uh watch me call it um that's the easiest way to find me on socials um email is mike creates at s4gs uh dot us um but yeah i'm always willing to work uh, we can sit talk do a discovery and see how our paths align i like it and from the first question i asked you are you still who you said you were uh yeah i'm a creative director at heart um i've been doing creative things since i was a young and um the most creative thing i use for creating is my mind and i'm always going to use that awesome thank you mike appreciate your time thank you have a good one boss man yes sir